listening to the Art of Fulfillment podcast. We interview the world's most fulfilled people to share with you the strategies, techniques, and ideas that can help you master your own art of fulfillment. Life isn't about external success. It's all about fulfillment. Or in other words, how you feel about yourself when you are by yourself. All right, guys, we got an awesome guest here today. He's physically fit, but I would say he's just equally, maybe even more so mentally fit as he is a really big influencer in the world of uh, fitness. But just aside from that too, he is also a Marine, former American Ninja Warrior competitor. Uh, he once broke the world record for most pull-ups in 60 seconds, and he's a personal trainer, and he's just got a whole laundry list of different personas, and it's really cool to have all those different perspectives uh, to come on here uh, and really be able to tell a multifaceted story, but most importantly, I think he's just so passionate about what he's doing, and it, it fulfills him in life, and that's why we wanted to get him on the show. So without further ado, welcome to the podcast, Michael Eckert. Hey, what's going on, guys? <laughs> glad to be here. <laughs> of course, man. Yeah, we're, we're glad to have you on for sure. Like, really exciting. We were talking a little bit about how, you know, I got really hooked on, like, all your Instagram captions and, and the things that you put into it. And one thing that really just strikes me is, you know, your passion for fitness and your passion for, you know, pushing your limits in that sense. And you said that it was something that was um, developed when you were at a really young age. So, so what did that process look like for you in terms of like, you know, finding fitness and falling in love with it and eventually, you know, having it be like something as a part of your day-to-day -day life? So, yeah, uh, growing up, <laughs> my dad, he was an army captain. I mean, he was in the reserves and everything when he got out, but he was on active duty, but he, uh, he built a pull-up bar in the backyard and that's where my my passion for pull-ups came and my brother and I used to yeah my brother and I used to do like competitions back and forth because my brother used to row in high school and mm -hmm. so rowing obviously you have that pulling motion and so we used to do competitions to see how many pull-ups you could do who could do more pull-ups and that kind of just developed into me going into like the basic high school gen eds of physical fitness and I never really I never really took fit, fitness seriously I always loved mm -hmm. and had a passion for sports but then it kind of skyrocketed and I realized how much uh, or how important fitness was when I joined the military. Like when I joined the Marine Corps, it hit me. I was like, this is what separates the elite from, I don't know, the average person or the peer. The peer. I just feel like everyone should have some sort of level of fitness in their life. Oh, and that's for, sure. for sure, man. I agree. So like, what was it like joining the military that like totally separated it for you? Was it like the experiences <laughs> like that you had or just uh, like, you like, uh, I told yeah, um, it was actually it was actually funny because there's this thing called the IST, which is an, an initial strength test. Mm -hmm. And on the test, it's like half of your regular physical fitness test in the, in the Marine Corps when you join. It's just to see if you could make it into boot camp and then pass. And so mm -hmm. uh, I did a little bit of rock climbing. I just uh, that was like my hobby, and so that did help me with pull-ups. But competing a lot when I was really young helped as well. And I guess my brother, but. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, when I did that IST, that was when I kind of was like, oh, shit. Like, I, I see there's a difference in levels of fitness here. Because when I first signed up to join the Marine Corps, I was, had like a six-month-out projection. And they were like, you're going to leave in six months. Get ready. Get yourself prepped. And then that same weekend, it was like a couple of days later, they were like, 
<laughs> you have an IST coming up. And I was like, I don't know what that is. They're like, it's, it's a mile and a half run. It's pull-ups and it's uh, crunches. So like as many crunches aren't too bad, whatever. It's just general fitness stuff, mm -hmm. but it's the pull-ups, the pull-ups. I went up doing 40 on my first try Shit. and they were like, what the hell? Even when they brought the, the papers to the recruiting office, they were like, oh, hey, you made a mistake on this. It says 40. Uh, how many did he really do? And they were like, no, 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 he did 40. And, <laughs> and like two, two days later, they called me up and they're like, hey, we have a, a slot open to go to boot camp uh, and you're leaving in three days. So oh, I was sure. like, <laughs> because, uh, because I did 40 pull-ups and I stood out on that initial strength test, uh, they sent me, like instead of a six month out, I left in three days. Oh my so gosh. that's where I kind of like got that notion where I was like, oh man, fitness if you're, if you're excelling in fitness, it's going to do something for you. And if I can continue this, I'm going to go right into this next story where it was day one of boot camp. This was my second realization. Day one of boot camp, they said, <laughs> they said, get, uh, I will give anybody in, in the recruiting bay or the recruit bay a phone call home if you could do 20 pull-ups. And obviously I was like, I know there's a catch to that. Uh, but I, I was one of like the seven people that raised their hand that could do 20. And then the, I remember staff Sergeant James. Yeah. He was my senior drill instructor. He goes, this is day one. I had no idea what I was doing at boot camp, but we hadn't met anybody. We didn't know what was going on. He just goes, uh, get your full, uh, all your gear, put it in your bag and then put that on your back and do your 20 pull-ups. Oh gosh. And so we, we lined up and in the back of my head, I was like, I think I can do that. I think I could do 20 pull-ups with this pack on my head and or on my back. And <laughs> we were in line. There's like six people in line. And the first guy gets up there. He can struggle to get like two. The next guy goes, he goes like five. And nobody got past like six or seven pull-ups. And the drill instructor had a huge smile on his face. And I got up there. I was the last guy in line to make I was just, I wanted to see how everybody else did before I got up there. And I get up on the bar and I did 20 pretty casually. And he's like, get the fuck in my office. <laughs> <laughs> and so I, the first day of boot camp, I, I'm sitting on the phone and he's like, who do you want to call? And I was like, I want to call my dad. <laughs> so I called my dad and he was like, he's an army guy and he knows how boot camp works. He goes, aren't you in Paris Island? Like, why are you calling me? Like, is something wrong? And I was like, well, there was this competition and whatnot. And uh, I, I did 20 pull-ups with my full, full pack on and he gave me a phone call home. And I don't think he's really happy about it. So but I wanted to call you and say, I wanted to say, I love you. And uh, I'll see you in like three months. So oh that was, God. that was day one of boot camp for me. And that was where I was like, okay, fitness, fitness means something, you know, that's what separates people from the average. So that's where it kind of took off from there. Oh yeah. Dude, that story is fucking awesome. Especially day one, like making a good impression exactly. out there or a bad impression. Exactly. I don't know like what, what, what your instructor thought of that, but I think that's so cool. And I think what well, was really he, awesome. Oh, go ahead. I was just saying he came up to my dad. They have like a graduation thing. He came up to my dad. My dad came to the graduation and he said, are you Michael Eckert's dad? And uh, he was like, yes, sir. I am. And he goes, I didn't think anybody could do 20 pull-ups with that amount of weight on. He goes, I did that every cycle that I had recruits and nobody even came close. And he goes, your son made me never want to do it again. And I was like, hell yeah. All right. <laughs> good. I definitely paid for it on the back end. Like I was, they made me the guide, which was like the head dude of the platoon and whatnot. And you just get messed with the whole time. So oh dude, I'm sure. 
<laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> but that, that's, at least you got the great story out of it too, which is awesome. Exactly. But yeah, man. And what I really love too about that story too is like, you walked up and you're like, I think I can do this. Like, you know, I knew I can do that. And I love how like all of like your persona around like fitness too, is not just like the physical part, but it's also like the mental part. So like, do you, oh, yeah. do you think that like having that, that just belief in yourself, like even helped you there? Like, I know you, you've been doing pubs for a 100%. long time. And with that, when I first broke like unofficially the world record for most pull-ups in 60 seconds, um, uh, I was at the rock climbing gym. This was before the military. And he was like, and one of my buddies came to me, he goes, how many pull-ups can you do? And I was like, I don't know. I was like, I've never tried to do as many as I could or something like that. I just did my own physical stuff. I thought I knew what I was doing. I was like the makeshift, like underground <laughs> personal trainer, you know, didn't have any certifications, but I was leading these group exercises. I just love this stuff. And so mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> the guy goes, how many pull-ups can you do in a row? I was like, I don't know. And so I, I tried, I did 42 in a row. And he goes, holy shit, dude. He goes, you just broke the world record. And I was like, <laughs> Cause he was like, he was like, you did 42. And I was like, yeah, is that a lot? Because I'd never been told like, this was a lot or something like that. And I feel like when you're, when you have that mindset that something is a lot, like if somebody told me, oh man, 50 pull-ups is the world record. I might not have done that many because I, I would have hit that mental plateau that I'm like, I'm reaching human capacity. I was like, <laughs> I can't go past this. You know what I mean? So definitely having that mindset where you kind of just, you kind of just do it. You believe in yourself enough and you, you don't give yourself an expectation that, that something's going to be too hard. You're just like, kind of just give yourself that in, instant belief. Don't uh, shut out all the negativity immediately and just push from there. That's all yeah. I'm saying. Yeah. No, I, I love that, man. I think that's another hysterical story, dude. Holy shit. Oh, um, but, but yeah, yeah I, I love, I love that. Like, cause it's like, people will say all the time. It's like, oh, I can't do, you know, I can't run like 13.1 miles cause it's like too long or I can't do that and stuff. But then like, I think I like read a story, but similar to yours where like this guy's like first time ever running. He just, I think it was rich roll. I think, um, he just like literally ran like for as long as he could. And he ended up running a marathon and people were like, what the fuck, man? Like, and he's like, I didn't know. That I think was that's the thing. same story where some, the guy was trying to pace off the first place, dude. And he goes, it might be the same story, but I heard one where he's running a marathon. It was his first time ever running a marathon. He goes, are we going fast enough? And the guy in first place was like, no, you need to speed up thinking that he would tell that guy to burn out. Uh -huh. And then he wound up beating the other guy, the first place by, by like 10 minutes or something like that. And I think I did read like, that story as well. That's what I'm talking about right there. That's, that's motivating. I know that's exactly awesome. what you're talking about. Yeah, dude, it's, it's crazy. It's, it's like so awesome how like the mind can just, you know, literally set you just so much further and like propel your limits and stuff. And I think that's, that's such a cool illustration from your story with that. And so like, I love how you also said like, shut the negativity out. So like for you, like, do you like do anything to like, like shut that negativity out? Like, do you like when that comes? Cause like, I think everybody has it, you know, like everyone oh, has yeah. like that kind of negativity that comes like, how do you personally deal with it? it like, it's instant. Life? As soon as you're, you're faced with a conflict, you're going to start thinking about the consequences of what you're about to do mm -hmm. or like how hard something is going to be. And what I, I mean, my motto hundred percent is just shut up and get it done. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by shut up isn't just stop talking. Cause a lot of people, you know, the loudest person in the room is usually, you know, probably the, the weakest person in my opinion. <laughs> but I, I just say you shut up all the noise, you shut up all the negativity, the negative thoughts, the stuff that's coming right at you, like in that initial moment where you're about to begin, cause you're going to have it. It's like an anxiety. You just, it just happens naturally, but if you can shut it up, and then get it done. Like that's just, that's what I tell myself every time I just say, shut up and get it done, which means stop complaining, 
shut out the noise, shut out the negativity as fast as you can. Because if you let, if you let yourself manifest these thoughts where it's like, Oh man, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I can do this certain part of this workout or whatever, if it involves multiple things and you're just worried about one thing and you let that thing manifest long enough, it's going to be a weight on everything else you do. And so Mm -hmm. the faster you can just react to that negative thought and be like, no, 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 no. Get out of my head. I'm going to do it. And then you just, you just go for it from there. That's my thing. Like I, I love immediately acting on that negative thought. Yeah, man. Dude, I, I, it reminds me of a quote that someone told me. It's like, action cures all. Like, when you get that negative thing, yeah. you just start, like, moving, right? Oh, yeah. I, yeah. I read a book that said, uh, the goddess of luck favors the man of action. And I was like, that's, that's badass. Like, I love that quote. That's fucking awesome, dude. I've never heard yeah. that one. That's sweet. Yeah, it's good wow. stuff. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, it's that's not cool. all about luck, but definitely take action. That's, that's super important. Of course, of course. Yeah, and I think it's, like, a lot of at least from people who have like written to me and people I know in my life, like when anxiety and I used to be like this too. So I'm also speaking from personal experiences, like anxiety used to come in and it's just, it's so easy to just get paralyzed by that and like not move around. And then like, you just end up getting more stress. Cause like, you're like, you're not oh, doing anything. Yeah. You're not doing anything, you know, it's like crazy. And I, and I think that there's, there's a responsibility of every person to understand that they're a human being. Yes. Like you're not, you're not a freaking robot. You can't shut it off every time. You're going to have a stressful day. You're going to come into the workout and then you're going to be stressed out. And sometimes you're not strong enough to just, you know, have the best workout. And you got to realize that you're a human being and you'd be like, I'm here. That's, you know, the minimum requirement is showing up and just do the best you can with the scenario. And that doesn't mean like if you're just feeling physically well, it means if you're feeling mentally well as well. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's, it's important to remember that we're all human and, and you can't always be on your game. You know what I mean? For sure. I love that, man. Especially like, I think the world needs to hear that. Like, cause we're so focused on being like perfectionists and doing everything right too. So like when we have like one bad day, we just got to realize, Hey man, it's normal. Like, yeah. And I think now with social media and whatnot, like, yeah. I mean, I have a, I have a very popular social media channel and I see the stuff that I put out there. And I mean, everyone, every, pretty much every influencer out there, like I try to put some of the stuff that I fail and whatnot, but it's, it's like a highlight reel of everything you do. It's, Mm -hmm. it's your highlights, you know, what you're doing. It's it's not like your average every day, what the hell is you doing behind the scenes? It's, it's your highlight reel. And if you're comparing yourself to that, you're going to feel a little bit down because you're like, oh man, I'm not that good all the time. And it's like, nobody's that good all the time. You gotta right. understand that there's a behind the scenes to everything. Of course. Yeah. Everyone's got their bad shit. And like, like you said, no one's really, I mean, that's awesome that you post like, you know, your failures some occasionally every time on Instagram. Cause usually people don't want to do that. They're like, ah, oh, like if I do this, people are going to judge me and shit, you know? And from an influencer standpoint, and I'll call myself an influencer cause I've reached a certain point on Instagram. Oh, for sure. Like, I agree. Okay, yeah. yeah. I'll just, I name it that because it sums up pretty much everything. And, but I've hung out, with a lot of people, and I don't want to name any names, but my thing that I want to do with my Instagram when I, everything I get filmed is pretty much filmed once. And mm. it's very raw. It's like, I don't try it again to make it look perfect or anything like that. It's like, that's my one attempt. Here it is. If I fail or something like that, then, you know, if I really feel like I did horrible, then I'll maybe do it again. <laughs> but I've been around people with huge social media followings and whatnot that will film stuff 10 times over to get the perfect reel of what they want people to see. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, that is so 
you, people, I don't know. It's, it's just not, you can't relate to that. You can't relate to not failing. You can't relate to just getting it your first try, you know, mm-hmm. every time. So, right. I, and there is a, there's a barrier that people don't see that, that, uh, I think it's important to realize that, like I said, there's a behind the scenes to everything. Yeah, exactly. And and I love that you said that point where it's like, they're always putting out like their best attempts, like every single time. And people like get that wrong message saying, and they're like, Oh man, like I follow this guy. Like he's awesome. But like, he's like literally nailing it every time. And it's like in my life, like I nail like six out of seven times, which is like probably what the other guy does too. You know, like it's, yeah. it's crazy the disconnect, but I think it leads to like a lot of like, stress and you know anxiety and like you were saying before just comparison of like other people's lives can really like yeah it's in, it's near impossible to not compare yourself to other people true so like it, even if you're extremely confident in yourself your abilities and whatnot i mean competition is is ultimately kind of comparing yourself to other people how do you mm-hmm. stand against somebody else and so i'm competitive by nature i love competition i love it but I used to have a pretty sour attitude if I lost or something like that. And I just, uh, uh, competition, I, I feel like it's so healthy for you. And, and uh, it, it's, imp- it's impossible to not compare yourself to somebody else if you're competing against them. Right, right. Why do you think like competition is like so healthy? Because I, I, I think there's some people out there who are like, I don't want to be too competitive because I don't want to like put other people down. But I see where you're coming from because like for me at least, like I like being competitive because it just fucking drives me to like, keep going further, you know? And so like for you, like you just yourself right there, yeah. it drives you. It's, it's the ultimate test. I mean, I always think about, I kind of try to put myself in like a gladiator's mindset. I was like this guy versus me, one versus one, one person's walking out of here alive and that's the situation. And <laughs> I mean, if you're doing a workout or something like that and you're competing against yourself to see how good you are, it's difficult to, it's difficult to really get that full capacity out of yourself. Mm-hmm. If you're competing against somebody else, then you're like, that person's going as hard as they can. I got to, you know, I got to do something and, and, and break away or so. it just brings out the best in you because you're like, I have to summon some sort of strength from somewhere to do something to beat this guy. If right. you really enjoy it. I mean, like some people, yeah, they, they're very content with being not competitive. But mm-hmm. personally, I feel like it brings, if you can compete in a way that brings people together, because mm-hmm. there's ultimately going to be a winner and a loser, but I also feel like you win or you, you learn more from losing than you do from winning. And so that'll teach you life lessons about yourself that you can carry on throughout however long. And it's For just, sure. I, competition's so, it, it, I love it. I love competition. And I lose all the time. Don't get me wrong. I, I, there are people that obliterate me in all these workouts. Like I can't lift that heavy or anything like that, but I do my best. And that makes me rise to that next level every time. And then when I beat them, it makes them compete against me even more. Right. So, you're helping them out by, by, by being better essentially too. Like it's not just exactly. helping yourself. You're helping the other people. But there's also like a level of, you have to disrespect the fact that that person's trying as hard as they can. You're mm-hmm. trying as hard as they can. And if, as long as that's there, then the competition will end in like a handshake, high five, well done. It won't end in like a screw you, dude, you, you suck. <laughs> you know right. I mean? yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 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 No, that's awesome, man. Like I've actually never really thought about it like that in terms of, yeah, competition makes you better, but it also makes everyone else better. Right. If you treat it in the right way of saying like, Hey man, like we pushed ourselves. That was great. And like both, 100%. like you, you help the community around you. Like that's, that's so freaking awesome. Like, and Hell yeah, man. yeah, yeah. It's really cool to like, 
see it from a perspective like that. So like, even when I'm like running, like if I'm running in like a populated place for some reason, like, I feel like I'm always going faster because there's people that are also running around me and I'm like, Oh yeah, that that guy's smoking me. Like, I was like, I gotta, you know, pump it up. But when I'm by myself, it's like, I feel like, dude, like, why is my pace so slow? Because it's just me and myself, you know? The the cool thing about it is if you try a bunch of different things and you're competing in all of them, like I ran a, a half marathon in Nashville not too long ago. And I'm, I'm a pretty strong runner, but, and I mean, there's always that stigma of guys versus girls and whatnot in the same competition. I got smoked by a bunch of girls and I was like, I was red in the face, like beat red trying to just stay with these girls. And then finally I was like, just, just go, just go. You're beating me by a lot. Just please. I didn't see him until the end of the race. I was like, holy crap. They were running like a, a six something pace for the entire time. And I was like, yeah, can't maintain that. <laughs> right. So, I mean, I just love it. It, it. it goes throughout anybody. No matter who you are, you can always compete. You can do what, like I said, if I'm better at pull-ups, it's going to make you better at pull-ups. If you're better at deadlifts, something, same thing, same transition. You're better running than me. I'm going to try to catch you because, and had they not been running next to me and inspired me to run faster, I may not have finished at the same time. You know what I mean? exactly and it also just shows like too like what's possible right because like again like you might think like oh shit like i can't run like a like i think running a 630 pace is like you know near impossible and then you go and see someone else do it and you're like oh fuck i guess you know what it's not that impossible exactly yeah Yeah. and it boils down to that that four minute mile nobody broke it until one person did and then everybody started doing it Right. Oh, dude, I love that story. That's the story is so, so cool. And one thing too, that I want to, I want to reference back to what you said before, um, when you're saying like, you learn more from losing than you do from winning, which I like a hundred percent agree on. And one, one thing from, I I know that you touched on this like a few times in like, you know, your Instagram posts. And I think you, we talked about it like really briefly before this, but you know, aside from losing too, like, I think obstacles can be like a huge, you know, learning point. And I know for like in your life, you had that wrist injury and, you know, I remember you talking about, you had like a car accident recently that was like pretty brutal and stuff, but specifically on the wrist injury, you were like, yeah, I thought my fitness like career was like over from that point. So like, how did you like bounce back from that? Cause um, I think a lot of, especially like my generation, like we're kind of, we've kind of grown up and for lack of better terms, like a, a more padded, kind of way I would say an upbringing like at least you know my socioeconomic kind of like upbringing which is like the listeners of this podcast and so when something comes along like that's an obstacle or an unexpected thing we tend to like crumble but for you I mean like yeah that wrist injury you thought it was over and like now you're you know you're still out fucking crushing it <laughs> in terms of fitness so how did you like well, get through that, so, that obstacle? Uh, and I'll I'll step back you just even a little bit further um with the whole wrist injury the so i was competing for american ninja warrior and whatnot and i mean it was like a a trial thing from another gym Mm -hmm. and uh so it wasn't actually the show i just want to get that clear (laughs) it wasn't part of the show but it was like a preemptive prelim sort of thing Mm -hmm. and uh, i had just transitioned off active duty and i was like i'm invincible let's go and uh (laughs) i didn't i didn't check to see if there was a pad below me and I did like a muscle up on this obstacle. I was like lying through it. And I just, I, I thought I had, I literally thought I was invincible. I couldn't get hurt. And that's when it, ha- it hit me. And I, I fell like 14 feet in oh, under shit. the concrete. Cause like I said, there was no, there was no pad below me. Oh my but God. the reason I was even taking us back to that is the same week 
which I was just thinking about this the other day in a way that I could uh, I'll put it in a perspective that my, my best friend who was supposed to come out and transition off active duty. Um, and we were supposed to open a gym together and whatnot and kind of pursue this life of fitness because we used to work at it. We worked out together all the time in Japan mm-hmm. for like two and a half years. Uh, he, he passed away. And oh, so, shit. um, yeah, that was the same week that I broke my wrist. So oh, I was literally, fuck. I was on, you know, all the great medications they put you on for the pain and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But I had just gotten off active duty, which alone is a shitty transition. Mm. Uh, and then the one guy I was like, I have this plan. Let's go do it. <laughs> He's no longer there. And I'm sitting with a broken wrist being like contemplating. I'll never have the same strength again. You know mm. what I mean? My doctor's telling me that all this stuff. So being at that level of strength, you just kind of like, kind of get really tired. You know, you, you become you're, you get tired. And I think that's what it is when you get an obstacle and your your life is already stressful and then you get hit by another stressor and you get hit by another stressor, you just become really tired. And you're mm-hmm. like, I just kind of want to, I just want to lay here for a little bit, you know? Mm-hmm. And then as I'm, I'm literally laying on the couch thinking to myself, I was like, what am I going to do? I was like, am I going to just sit here and not do anything for however long? You know, I'll go to school, I'll go do what I need to do, but am I just going to not uh, pursue that, that, that ambition that I had coming out? Because I was really tired. I was just tired of the stress. Like mm-hmm. all, all life stuff was hitting me so hard. And I, uh, I gave myself a decision because I, I tell myself that I touched the, the floors of hell there. I really did. I touched, mm-hmm. I touched the floor. And uh, I was either... I was either going to stay there or I was going to, I was going to leave. And I told myself, you, you have one choice. Like you have one chance to go the other direction. I was like, you going to take it or not. And so I, I, <laughs> I, I am glad that I have close friends and family that visited me all the time. And it was really nice, but, and they were a huge support group for me because I was just not feeling good. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, sorry, my dog's barking right oh, now. Oh, you're good, man. No worries. So ultimately though, I, uh, I decided to, to not stay there. And I, I say, I, it wasn't like I had a plan to not do it. Like, Oh, I have this great plan. Like I can either take this road or this road. It was just, I'm not going to stay here. I'm going to see what happens. I'm going to roll out of bed and see what happens. Mm. And at first I was like, what do I need to do? I was like, I need to stop taking these medications because they're making me lazy and not want to do anything. Mm-hmm. And, and I need to have some sort of positive mindset, you know, stand out in the sun for 10 minutes and go back inside because mm. it was just, it was brutal. And so I stopped taking the medication. My wrist hurt so bad that I taped it uh, and it like my hand wanted to close all the time. Like, it, it was just starting to close because oh, it wasn't just a wrist injury. They had to do a carpal tunnel release as well or a carpal tunnel surgery. So they cut the tendon in my hand. That was oh. the big one. You can break your wrist and not lose a lot of grip strength, but they had to cut the tendon in my hand because I was going into like a critical heart attack mode. Holy and so they shit. had to do a second surgery and, uh, yeah, they're like, we don't want to do this surgery because you're going to lose grip strength for the rest of your life. And I was like, but they're like, he's going to have a heart attack. We don't do it. So it was like a, an emergency 2 a.m. surgery. And so they did that. Holy fuck. And, uh, but I just had this notion that I was like, now my grip strength is never going to be the same, you know? Mm-hmm. So I stopped taking the medication and I duct taped a coaster to my hand to keep it open 
like because my hand naturally wanted to close i just duct taped it to it just so i could sleep at night because as it was closing it was pinching that nerve and it was making it horrible uh-huh. but i uh yeah i kept my hand nice and open i duct taped that thing it took like two weeks for it to stop trying to close and then i started oh going to gosh. physical therapy and it was like just it was me just falling over again like learning how to walk again like i, I was compl- i was just stumbling around and i was like i don't even know what to do with myself i can't do pull-ups i can't do anything like I used to be this, I went from being this like top level fitness enthusiast. Like I had everything I even told, I was the only guy to raise his, his hand in, in the office when you're transitioning out of the military. They're like, who here knows exactly what the hell they want to do when they get out. And I raised, I was the only guy in the room to raise my hand. I was like, I know what I'm doing. I know who I'm doing it with and why I'm doing it. And then now oh, two weeks later, I'm this guy who has zero clue what he's doing. I'm like, okay, I'll just, I'll drive to physical therapy. I'll fumble around. I'll do this, whatnot. And I, I kept doing the physical therapy religiously and I kept doing it over and over. And it's just these small decisions. I would say that was the number one thing that that allowed me to keep going. It was, Mm -hmm. it was the small decisions. The, The fact that I had a yes or no, like, am I going to physical therapy today? I could skip if I want to. Nobody's holding my hand, taking me to physical therapy. Right. Mm -hmm. But I was like, I'm going to go. And we're going to see how it goes. And thank goodness for my physical therapist. He goes, do you want to be at 90% or do you want to be as close to hundred percent as possible? He goes, because those are two different roads. And I was like, just do what you got to do, man. Like I was, I was going blind for half the, the physical therapy things. Cause you're stretching out my wrists and all this mm-hmm. horrible, anybody who's been through physical therapy knows exactly what I'm talking about. Oh yeah, for sure. And, <laughs> yeah. And, and so I, I would say, I mean, it was funny because they do a grip strength caliper test at the beginning and I could, I couldn't even hold that thing with my hand. And then, uh, I think it was like, 11, no. Yeah. It was like 11 weeks later. It was the final visit. And he was like, all right, let's test your grip strength. And I squeezed it as hard as I freaking could. Like I grabbed the shit out of that thing. And I was like, I'm going to fucking prove a point to somebody. <laughs> I don't know who it is, but I squeezed the shit out of it. And, uh, he goes, Holy, he's like, Holy shit. He's like, you can squeeze this thing harder than I can with my dominant hand with your broken wrist hand. And I was oh like, my. that's all I needed to hear. I was like, I'm going to go <laughs> re-break that world record again. <laughs> and so I was like, cause my, I, I had this like weight, this doc, the doctor, like everyone trusts doctors cause they go see him and whatnot. And I'm like, this doctor told me that I would never have the same strength again. And here I am after physical therapy, stronger than when before I broke my wrist. And it's like, okay, what else am I capable of? And that's when I started pushing forward. And like I said, it was just those small decisions every single day that was like, am I going to be 10% lazy today or am I going to be 5% lazy today? And it was just small little decisions that caused me to to get out of bed, take a couple extra steps, maybe go try to do a pull-up or hang on the bar or something like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it was. I, I say for anybody experiencing obstacles or – when you do it, it's not like you're just ripping off a bandaid. No, it's like you're slowly ripping off a bandaid. You're pulling it, you're pulling it and it hurts and it sucks the whole time. But eventually that thing is going to come off mm-hmm. and you're going to be like, holy shit, look where I am now. Right. Exactly. Dude. And I love, I fuck, first of all, I'm fucking fired up listening to that story. That was awesome. That's good. <laughs> that was awesome. <laughs> but, but I love how you said it was like, it's small decisions. Cause I think, uh, with, with, you know, it's like a movie and, Fairy, fairy tale kind of thing where it's always like this like one big transition or one big move exactly. right exactly but, but reality about. is not like that i mean just look at your not story it was all the small decisions exactly and and it's 
it's it's like small the small things that nobody else can answer for you it's mm. it's that i mean that would that happened to me my my little road that i went on uh to realize kind of or more solidify why i want to do this and why i do what i do mm-hmm. but but it's it's you're not credible until you until you are like right. you're and nobody's ever fully credible you know like at what point because you look at these people that, that we all know them, the inspiring stories and whatnot. And you're like, man, I wish I had a story like that. And it's like, you don't until you freaking do it. You just keep building those tiny little things over and over and over until, Hey, Holy shit. Look back. I got a, I got a story to tell. You know what I mean? And it, right. and it takes time. And a, a lot of people want that instant gratification. I mean, I'm not saying you have to go through hell to get it, but mm. a lot of people will do these amazing transformations, lose 200 pounds or something like that. And this is how they did it. But Mm -hmm. it takes time. It doesn't happen overnight. For sure, man. For sure. Yeah. And and it makes me think about one caption that you wrote that I thought was like, it was like awesome. The one all about like earned, like earning things in life, like how fulfilling that is to earn something, especially even like you said, like everyone wants the instant gratification. Like if you ask people, they're like, what would you want to, how would you want to make your money? Like a lot of people say, oh, like win the lottery. And it's because like it's given to them in that moment. And it's like really fascinating to see the stats of like most people who win the lottery end up losing it all in like, you know, three, four years. Oh, yeah. It's crazy. So like for you, like, could you like explain, because I like thought it was such an awesome like copy that you wrote, like why earning something is so important to like really live a fulfilling life. (laughs) I mean, I'll be straight up honest. I mean, like my dad, when I was growing up and I was going to high school, he gave me my first car. Like he bought it for me, everything. And I treated that thing like shit. I never, <laughs> I never changed the oil on it. I did my, the alignment, like you were literally, I, w- I had a 90 degree turn just to go straight in my, in my, like, it was dangerous to drive, Holy but I shit. never took it into the shop. I never took care of it. And I was given it, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so when I bought my first car, oh man, I was like polishing the, that thing up. <laughs> uh, I spent, I spent my, my hard earned money on it. And it was a very valuable lesson for me. Like, because I spent, I worked very hard to get that money and then buy the car that I have. And it's now my responsibility to take care of it because I put my, and it was just a weird, it's not necessarily like there's, there's some crazy scheme out there for it, but it's, it's just, I, when I was given that car, I treated it like shit. When I, bought it myself I was like this is my baby and I gotta I gotta take care of it and that's that's my metaphor for it because it works for me I, I my first car oh my god like it was bad <laughs> it like died, <laughs> yeah it died the day before I left to the Marine Corps like it completely I just had it in a public parking lot the battery died I was like guys I, I think because a couple of my buddies were with me I was like I think we gotta walk from here <laughs> and uh and that night I called like a uh, what do you call them? Uh, like one of those groups to pick it up and oh, like a salvage company. Oh yeah. yeah. I, I was like, Hey, how much will you give me for my car that I probably only needed like a battery. And actually, no, I need way more than that, but <laughs> uh, it just died in the parking lot. And I was like, I'm leaving tomorrow. I can't take it. And so they went, picked it up and whatnot, but that's just how badly I treated something that I was given. And I don't recommend that to everyone that's given something, take care of your car. But, <laughs> but, <laughs> But it is definitely when you earn something, it means so much more because it's it's something you created for yourself and you understand it. You understand all the leading movements up to that point. And you're like, okay, now I'm going to pull the trigger and I'm going to be responsible for this. Fuck yeah, man. And, and, and to kind of relate it to the past story, like were you 
much more like appreciative of like your grip strength like after it was gone at first and then you got it back or like like right from the get-go oh, yeah. before that like yeah i mean 100 percent. i was like that that broke that broke me because for a while there i was like in this point where i had limits on me again i mean growing up i never put i never got told like i was telling you about the pull-ups i never got told that 40 pull-ups was a lot so right. i did 40 pull-ups you know because that was what my body was capable of and i trained myself to that point and i think putting limits on yourself is a good thing to avoid injury but ultimately will cause you to plateau because mm. you're you're setting yourself up for that like oh i'm reaching my limit but it, who knows maybe you maybe your limits even further than that but uh, when it came to grip strength or just any type of re- re- rehab for injury is to not hesitate. It took mm-hmm. me, it took me 11 weeks to fully heal my wrist. It took me like two years to trust it again. Mm-hmm. And that's the big part that I wish I had could, I could speed it up or I had some sort of sentence that I could tell someone, Hey, do this, do this or plan. But that's just your own mentality where it's like, if I'm going to jump like that's where I started taking myself out. And I really did this. I started taking myself into scenarios where I'm like, if I fall, I'm going to really hurt myself, but I'm so passionate about getting myself to trust my hand again, that I'm going to make this work. Cause you know, there's no other, I mean, there is another option, but I don't want to go that route. <laughs> so I would literally jump off of platforms to like a really sketchy surface or something like that and hold on as hard as I could, because that started tricking my brain being like, Oh, okay, we can start using this again. And mm. that's when it started getting to the point where I was like, okay, yeah, it's strong again. Because that's, and I would say that's a little bit over the top because you don't want to put yourself in a risky environment, but I'm so damn crazy about this shit that <laughs> I just, I don't, I, I, the last thing I, I forget, about, the best thing that happened in recent times is me forgetting about my wrist injury. Until somebody brings it up, I always forget about it. And it's not, I don't mind talking about it or anything like that, but like, I don't remember it because that's where I want to be. You know, I don't want to remember it because it's like, uh, my doctor or whatever, the physical therapist is like, Hey, you're good to go. Put some pressure on it one night. And it hurts once in a while. I got to wear wrist straps here and there, but cause it was a pretty, I mean, it was two major surgeries, but other than that, I just love forgetting about it. It feels so good to forget about it. Be like, Holy, cause I'm out deadlifting a bunch of people and it feels so good. It's oh, dude, so I bet. That's what that competition fucking... comes in. Hell yeah, man. Dude, that's awesome. And, and yeah, man, I love how you say that. It's like, it's like you don't even know it's there. And, uh, you know, because it can be so easy to just dwell on those things in the past, right? And just being like, oh, well, I can't do X, Y, and Z because, you know, uh, you know, my house, burnt, my house burned down or something, which would be terrible, obviously. But like, I think, like you said, you can't live in those places. Like you got to choose not to live there. And you got to choose to almost like pretty much forget it and not basically just live in the now and then look towards the future. Right. Yeah. Is that injury going to define where you go and that, mm-hmm. and a lot of people, and I'm sure a lot of people know somebody out there that's dwelling on some sort of knee injury, elbow injury, something like that. That's or a shoulder. And I get it. No, don't get me wrong. I'm not talking down from people with injuries, mm-hmm. but, but at what point are you going to let that thing be you? Like I'm the guy with the shoulder injury that can't do pull-ups anymore. I'm the guy with the wrist injury and I was not going to be that fucking guy. I was going to be the guy that people got to ask me, how the hell can I do so many pull-ups? And then I want to also fill them in. Hey, I also have my, my wrist broken and I have t- like a big tin rod in my, my wrist now. 
And that's like the, the coolest experience for me is to see the reaction on their face because <laughs> they're like, holy shit. Okay. Now I don't have any excuses. And yeah. I love bringing that. Oh yeah. I mean, so even good. me like listening to it too. Like for me, like I, I've been trying to work on my growth strength for like literally the past like seven months and stuff. And I'm like, oh man, it's just like hard as shit. Now hearing your story, I'm like, fuck yeah. Like I literally have no excuses now. Like I just got to just keep fucking <laughs> working at it and shit. So yeah, dude, that is fucking awesome, man. Well, Dude, I'm, I'm, like I said, I'm pretty fired up about this, this conversation, man. I Let's wish I could keep go. talking with you and all that talk. shit. Hell yeah, man, dude, you're a fucking force and I love everything you're up to. And, and it's just been a real pleasure to have you on the show. So before I ask my last question here, where can our listeners find you if they want to dig into more of your world and watch some of your content or learn about grip, grip strength, but also more importantly, learn about, you know, your mindset and so on and so forth. So I'm doing a better job now of putting my content out there before Instagram is very superficial. It's kind of like brushes the surface. And so, uh, I would say, honestly, my, my YouTube channel is going to start taking off now, uh, because that allows me to kind of talk about my military and civilian mindset in the, in the fitness industry uh, and a longer point because Instagram, I mean, I don't like using Instagram TV, but mm-hmm. I would say YouTube and Instagram are probably my, my two two ways to reach or to see what I'm doing. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, guys. And if you want to check him out, I will put all of his info in the description so you can go and you can check him out. He's got awesome videos and just a lot of just physically educational stuff too. But like I said before, you should read the captions too, because I think they're absolutely awesome and they're going to totally fucking fire you up if you need to go to the next level. So (laughs) he's got some good stuff out there. All right, Mike, for my last question here, what does fulfillment mean to you and what fulfills you in life? what is fulfillment to me fulfillment to me (laughs) is seeing not only what i'm truly capable of but the people around me and Mm -hmm. i feel like those go hand in hand and what fulfills me is performing that because I, i losing my best friend uh it really showed me that anything can happen and and there's no certainties in life. So you might as well go as hard as you fucking can in any direction. Uh, no matter what it is, it doesn't have to be phys- fitness related, but to me, I, I have such a passion and a drive for fitness and um, I just want to inspire the world, world through that. Fuck yeah, man. Dude, I got the fucking chills hearing you say that. That is fucking awesome. <laughs> Dude, thank you so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me, man. I really appreciate it. Of course, of course. All right, guys, if you're as fired up as I am about this episode, go take action immediately. As I say always, knowledge is not power. It's only potential power. You have to take action on it. So if you have something that maybe you're dwelling on in the past and you need to make some small decisions, like Mike said, go and make those small decisions, bounce back, and ultimately make progress to where you want to go in life. All right, guys, you can follow us on Instagram at Art of Fulfillment. You can follow me on Instagram at Joe Corsione. Send us a DM if you have any other questions. But if not, we'll see you again next Wednesday. Take care, guys.